There are certain studies that shows you that there is a 2x factor on the annual salary about the cost of attrition, right? I mean, you are losing knowledge. You need to replace. You have another cost of hire if you lose people. Uh, you have uh, productivity losses. You have people that are involved in onboarding and so on and so forth. So if you think about losing a really tech talent in your organization that let's assume he earns or she earns like 80k per year we are speaking about cost of 160,000 here Alberto here and this is the pitch the pitch is a weekly show where i interview founders from early stage startup to analyze their businesses we'll cover their problem solution potential market size team and more so join me as we dig deeper in their ventures and discuss their growth potential today's guest is Nick Stott co-founder of People Ajax. Nick started finance at Novice Bay in Lisbon. After working in venture capital and at a B2B machine learning startup, he and his co-founder Georg realized what impact career people management and strategy have on the success of any organization. So they founded People Ajax to enable data-driven people decision-making for modern organizations. Hi Nick, uh, welcome on the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, Alberto, thanks for having me. Could you start by giving us an elevator pitch of what the People IX does? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do so. Yeah, so with uh, People IX, so we want to build the most intuitive people analytics platform for small and medium-sized companies to enable the data-driven people decision-making. So we take care of the integrations into your HR tech stack and also your business data, analyze it, clean it up so that we can provide you with all the data-driven insights and recommendations, especially to the HR team and the business leader. Um, so, I mean, in short, it's really to have all your people data in real time at your fingertips so that you can really tackle the crucial challenges, like how do we attract and recruit the best fitted talent for our organization? Or also on the other side, how do we retain our best talents in times of the great attrition that you are seeing? And we believe that a great execution of your people strategy is really the foundation for a sustainable and successful business. And what was the haha moment when you realized you had to build this? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my co-founder and I, I mean, we worked in, in startups and enterprises before. And what we really experienced is that people are the core asset of nearly every organization that we worked in. So people, they build your product. The people, they market and sell it. They ensure the operational excellence. So in order to get your people decisions right it's equal to getting your business right in the end. And um, that's also how we think about it, that it should not be based on, on your gut feeling that you're having, but really based on data. And we were th really thinking about, okay, why is it not the case that you do not see it in companies like that, where people are really the core asset, that um, decisions are still based on, on gut feeling. Um, and that's why we want to tackle this problem to enable data analytics for, for your people team. Mm -hmm. And why do you think now is the, the right moment to build this kind of business? Yeah, so I mean, what we have seen in the last couple of years is that you have a kind of digitalization within the HR department and also the core HR processes. Um, so I mean, 20 years back, you see the rise of Workday, for example, you see the rise of Personio, who really tackle the core HR processes. We currently see great ATS systems in the market, like a greenhouse, so you have structured data in recruiting. And then you see companies uh, who 
um, who became quite famous and large, like Cultural Amp, Lattice, and Epson, to tackle the performance and engagement systems. So right now, you have a lot of structured people data available to your team. And normally, when we currently look into organizations, you see like at least two or three different um, HR teams. Um, and so we uh, think that right now, it's really the time also considering the great trends that you are seeing and the great challenges that businesses have to overcome. So when you think about the war for talent, for example, or also the great attrition to think about, okay, how do we attract and recruit top talent on the one hand side and also think about how we retain and develop our top talent in the long run. It's really key challenges that are a threat to every kind of business. So we will see the step up of the CHRO to the executive table. And that's also why we think now is the right time to get them a data analytics tool at hand to make decisions not based on the gut feeling, but on data and uh, to make sure that they make the right decisions in, in the future. Mm-hmm. And is there a number that represents this problem or like a couple of numbers that you think represents this problem? Um, yeah, so there are several angles that you can look at. Um, so we normally look into, okay, what does it cost you to hire top talent? And what does it cost you on the other hand um, to uh, to lose people, right? And especially if you look on, on the retention side, I think many, many companies and organizations are currently struggling, uh, losing top talent here. Um, and there are certain studies that shows you that there is a 2x factor on the annual salary about the cost of attrition, right? I mean, you are losing knowledge, you need to replace, you have another cost of hire if you lose people, uh, you have uh, productivity losses, you have people that are involved in onboarding and so on and so forth. So, so if you think about losing a really tech talent in your organization that let's assume he earns or she earns like 80k per year, we are speaking about cost of 160,000 here just for the cost of attrition. Um, and on the other hand, if you look into the war for talent, there are some numbers around that there is close to 1 million of top talent missing in Germany in the next couple of years. So there is also the scarcity of talent on the other hand, uh, or on the other side. Um, so these are the, the big, big numbers that are currently flying around in in the organizations um talking about your product and then so your solution basically to this problem um how do you like you already spoke about it but how would you describe it and also how would you describe like a, a use case for it yeah, yeah sure so uh, i would say in super easy words it's a data engineer and a data analyst to your hr team and to the business leader so i mean we bring in all data to one place um, so integrate into your different system. We ensure data quality management. We enable analytics and also provide data-driven insights on your data so that within our platform, you are really able to get your answers to your people in seconds. Um, and especially when it comes to recruiting, retention, or performance, for example. Um, so how you can envision our platform is that if you look into that, um, you will see a screen that says you, hey, um, in the last couple of months, your time to hire in your sales and marketing department uh, increased by 20%. You can look into your employee referral channel because that's something where we normally see the shortest time to hire to mitigate this risk proactively. So that's how we want to enable the, especially the HR team, but also the business leaders to proactively 
tackle the challenges that they are seeing so that we are providing them with trend um, analysis, but also um, important correlations that we are seeing within the data. So to give you another example, uh, one of the use cases that we often see is that your attrition rate um, is tightly connected to promotion cycles in the different 10 years, but also in the different departments. So for example, if you see, hey, we have an average promotion cycle in our marketing and sales department of four years, that translates into a higher attrition rest as if you, uh, I don't know, promote your top talent always within two years from now. Um, so that's always where you can really, based on data, give them um, at their hand super valuable insight and also recommendations about how to tackle this problem proactively. And how do you know that kind of your product is a full-fledged product and not just a feature that maybe Personio or like other players could just implement? Yeah, so I think it's important to understand that we don't just want to build nice dashboards and provide you here with some metrics. So if you really think about what a real people analytics uh, platform requires, you have a full set of functionalities to have it really up and running. So we are speaking about integrations into various systems. Um, so we do not want only to connect to, for example, Personio da uh, data, but also to your greenhouse system or your cultural M system and also want to get information from your Salesforce and HubSpot, like the performance metrics, um, you need to build a kind of data pipeline and taking care of data pipeline managing uh, management when it comes to the extraction from the different system, transform the data so that you can analyze them and load them into your data house, your single source of truth. You need to make sure that you have a high data quality. I mean, that's also uh, a foundation to get started with analytics, that you have a high confidence, high reliability liability within your data. That's also something that we take care of. And then the visualization needs to be super, super intuitive. And that's also where we see a very low adaption rate, for example, of Tableau Power BI in the HR department, because it's not super, super straightforward to get uh, the right information visualized in the way. Um, so that's also what we are doing. And then it comes to really data science, what we call data-driven insights, where you do a kind of hypothesis testing, right? So you would really like to understand what are your key drivers of certain metrics. Same example as before, if you look into your attrition rate, of course, it gives you information that the attrition rate went up from, let's say, 5% to 10%. But more importantly to you, it's really to understand, okay, what has changed? Why is it up by 5%? And here we can also help with uh, data science in the, in the background to give you robust, reliable hypothesis testing and say, hey, we see a high correlation and high significance if you compare the attrition rate over time with your promotion cycle over time. And that's a service that we want to provide. And if you think about it, then it's more like, okay, just a nice feature where you have little dashboards and metrics. It's really a fully fledged solution. It's really like your new management platform that you can use. So you would say that the kind of the complexity of the product you're actually building is kind of the defense because it's hard to build. So it's not something that they can just wake up one morning and say, oh, we do this project. Exactly, exactly. So the companies, um, I mean, there are often in the situation where they need to decide, okay, do I want to build it by myself? Then it means, okay, we need to hire a data engineer. We need to hire a data analyst. We need to buy in certain reporting tools like Tableau licenses and what have you and data warehouse solutions. Or you can rely on uh, platforms and 
and technology like ours, like PPIX. And we believe that especially in the mid-market segment, the um, we will see the tendency that they will choose a technology provider because they are running on cloud services that are more or less standard. There's not so much customization as if you would compare it to an enterprise system. Think about SAP where it's highly, highly customized, where it definitely makes sense to have a dedicated engineering resources to tackle the data pipeline, for example. Um, so we believe that uh, we can use the synergies here and provide a great technology solution um, to the mid-market segment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, talking about the customers, uh, how do you uh, kind of define your early adopter uh, and yeah, kind of how do you segment uh, the customers? Like who's the ideal user for your platform? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in general, we target small and medium-sized enterprises. And in our definition, it starts with 100 employees. And normally we see a threshold around 2,000 to 5,000 employees. So that's exactly the tipping point where you think about building it for yourself, that you build your own people analytics team. We currently focus strongly on the uh, German market, um, as we see some advantages also here when it comes to data privacy and data security. Um, and then our customer is always organizations that usually have 60 to 70% of their total cost driven by people, or at least this is the ideal or early adopters to our solution, right? Because you want to manage the uh, largest cost of your workforce. So it definitely makes sense to also have the right metrics, the right data to manage them accordingly. Um, so we try to tackle um, companies that have um, high, high people costs on that side. And where people are really perceived as the core asset and companies, especially now in the beginning, that are also open for, for innovation. I mean, that's normally what you're looking for um, when you look for the early adopters. Um, so that's something that we currently see, especially in data-driven tech companies in Germany. And what's your, like, I understand who you're targeting. How do you think you can get to these customers? So basically, what's your go-to-market? Yeah, so right now, the market is in a super, super early stage, especially in Europe. Um, so we focus on activities that educate people in that space um, on the power of people analytics. Um, so we try to set up ebooks. We provide a people um, analytics library to make sure, hey, these are metrics. This is the impact that you can measure. On the other hand, what we also set up from a product perspective is a kind of playground or sandbox environment um, so that um, potential customers can easily log in, that they can see with dummy data what is possible if I have, for example, Personio plus Greenhouse plus Leapsum to really experience the power of the people data and what kind of insights you can get out of that. Um, so I would say it's really at the beginning of, um, of, of the market where we try to educate and also raise the awareness for the problem, which you can solve here with people analytics. How, how will, will your business model be? Is like a simple SaaS or... Exactly. So it's a typical SaaS business model, which means that uh, we provide software licenses to our customers and receive the, the recurring revenues in the end. Yes. Mm -hmm. And talking about... Uh, so you quickly said that the market is on its early stage, but um, how big do you think is the market and how do you size a market that is basically unserved in this moment? 
Yeah. Um, so there are several approaches. Um, I mean, we see ourselves in the interface of the HR tech and the business intelligence market. Um, there are different industry analysts, but they are both estimated at a volume of around 25 billion, uh, at least the numbers from 2022. And um, so we are here in this most attractive segment, this HR analytics part, um, where the industry analysts expect this segment to grow by 3x in the next next uh, seven years or so until 202030. Um, I mean, you can also go the other way around to look into the SME landscape and the distribution of the different companies. And in Germany alone, we see over 60,000 medium-sized SMEs that would fit our um, our target group, our target segment here. Um, so this is also how you can come up with a number and then you have a way, way higher revenue potential of over 100 million in Germany alone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you see any kind of uh, challenges in terms of adoption? So the market is big, but will companies uh, quickly adopt this or you think there's going to be a resistance? Um, I mean, it always depends how you roll it out. Um, so we currently focus um, especially on the HR teams to enable them to have an automated reporting um, to get a sense of where we stand with data quality, with data analytics. And then we also want to um, adapt an approach that spreads within the organization. So we are thinking about a lot of collaboration and sharing abilities because, I mean, the key job of HR is to to communicate within the organization, right? You want to talk to marketing, you want to talk to finance, you want to talk to operations. And that's something that we want to enable in our platform. So we are strongly focusing right now on the adoption of the HR team, that they are really having all their data in one place. And once we see good product engagement metrics here, we want to make sure that this is also part of the job fixes with the marketing department, job fixes with the operations department, and that more and more employees are adapting to the solution and give the credibility that HR owns the single source of truth when it comes to the people data. But that's always a process. That's nothing that you just get into the company and that you have a 100% adaption rate. So you definitely need to roll it out and educate the people on that and make them familiar with that. It's a process. Mm -hmm. And uh, talking about uh, attraction, so you're really early stage, but uh, I assume you have a metric you look at that proves you you are going in the right direction and the solution is needed. What's what's that metric and how do you determine <laughs> traction? Yeah, I mean, as you already said, we are in a super early stage. So we clearly focus on building a high value adding and also a sticky product that's up something that we want to show and prove. Um, so we currently look especially on product engagement metrics. Um, so how many times the HR department logged in, what's the screen time, which kind of analysis they did in our platform. That's metrics where we currently have a close eye on um, because that's for us the best proxy in the stage to see if the customer really perceives the value out of our um, out of our solution and then as a second one it's of course the retention rates right I mean customers that really love your product then you would normally see it also in your retention that's also why we have a strong strong focus on that and is there a number you can share out of this or it's yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, so it's it's too early um, because we just launched our playground uh, two weeks ago. Um, but I'm mm -hmm. happy happy to uh, to share with you at a later point in time, uh, maybe in the next half year. Um, Perfect. Then we will send an update. Absolutely, that's cool. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. Uh, so stepping out of like kind of your own business, looking at the market, um, which what are the competitors and uh, how kind of what are what is the competitive matrix you see? Like what are the dimension you compete along? Yeah. So um, I mean, to be clear, and also given the maturity of our market, our key competitor is really decisions that are made on gut feeling and also Excel crunching. So um, it's not like there is any existing solution for that. It's really like people, they have this anecdotal evidence where they make their decisions on, or it's um, simple data analysis or reporting, um, which is then based in, in Excel. Um, if we really dig deep into the people analytics um, market, you will see some players um, in the US because this market is, is more mature. Um, and if we also want to compare with the overall HR tech landscape, um, you normally look into the dimension, okay, what's the kind of range of use cases that you can adapt to this platform? And what's the degree of analytics and insights that you can provide. So you have, of course, reporting solutions like Personio, where you can get uh, out a nice, I don't know, headcount report, for example. But if you would like to do really hypothesis testing and want to compare different data set and see if there is any significance and so on and so forth, Personio would not provide you with this degree of analytics, um, for example. And also when it comes to use cases, right? So we want to give you uh, everything related to recruiting, but also related to retention. And normally you need different data sources from here. Um, and so that's also how we look into the market where you can um, set the different dimensions here. And why do you think there are not many players doing exactly what you're doing? I think it's um, it's just a timing perspective because the market is in a super, super early stage. Um, I mean, if you look, for example, into Leapsum, uh, I mean, they were founded, I think, 2016. Um, and they, they raised their large round one or two years ago. Um, so it's still in an early phase where you now see that digitalization happened um, in the first segment of the enterprises in, in Germany, but it, it drags along, right? So now they, uh, Personio as well as Leapsam, they're really tackling the long tail. And we now try to get from the first stage that is digitalized um, and make people analytics ready here. And so I just think that it's from a timing perspective um, that we haven't seen these kinds of players succeeded in the previous years. So you expect that other companies will come up doing something quite similar to what you do? Yeah, definitely. And I hope so. I mean, it helps that the market is educated on that. It raises awareness about people analytics. So um, definitely. And in that circumstance, what do you think it's going to be your biggest competitive advantage uh, against newcomers? Yeah, so I think in the in the long run, the competitive advantage definitely sits on on the one hand side on the data acquisition to really make sure that you are integrated into the different systems that you have a good data pipeline management to build up this. We always speak about the unified people data model. Um, so to really set up your single source of truth for the different organizations. And on the other hand, and that comes also with the adoption rate, is that you have a super intuitive 
uh, platform that you provide, right? Because it needs to serve different kind of users in the end. So on the one hand side, you have people operations manager, um, but on the other hand, you also would like to see the CFO or COO or VP sales using this kind of platform. So we definitely need to make sure that all of these different users and personas are able to find the answer to their most burning question within seconds. Um, so that's what we what we want to build. So to keep it short, I think it's the data acquisition part and it's definitely the uh, usability of our platform where we see the competitive advantage. And why do you think you are the, the right people to then build this? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I mean, we both have firsthand experience when it comes to the challenges and pain of HR um, from different industries and also different company sizes. Um, so my co-founder also worked in uh, strategy consulting. Um, he had run a lot of projects that are connected to people and HR challenges in larger enterprises across various Uh, various industries. Um, me personally, in my role as VP Finance, I was also closely working with our VP people to set up all the operations to scale the company um, to over 100 employees. So we see us in a very, very good spot to understand the different challenges, the different maturities of analytics. Um, we also have the experience of building and scaling companies. Um, I mean, that's also what I experienced and learned in the in the last three years. And um, we also also made great hires and also my co-founder he has great experience already in building up enterprise software so i think we have a lot of a lot of components um, and a good skill set that comes together to build here the a successful people analytics platform and if you had to look at uh, some years and unfortunately this didn't work out uh, what do you think are the reasons What do you think essentially are the challenges ahead and known? You don't know. Because at the end, a startup is about testing hypotheses. If it was so it easy, is. the success, it would be <laughs> it would be an easy business to be in, but it's not. So what's that? Yeah, yeah, true, true. I mean, um, what is a little bit out of our control, but uh, which is still a major risk to us is um, how the other HR players are reacting to this kind of movement that we are seeing. I mean, we are relying heavily that, for example, example, companies like Personio have an open API documentation so that you can get access to the data and get it into your system. I mean, it could be the case that in five years from now, um, you have another trend, you have consolidation that people try to build their own suites and make a ring fence around it so that you do not easily get the data out. I mean, that's one of the huge risks that we are seeing. There is no trend that shows into this direction, but it's definitely something that which we need to have a close eye on. Um, and then, of course, from the government or politician side, it's about data security and privacy, right? I mean, right now, um, it is something uh, which we can handle with the uh, people analytics and data analytics. But of course, these things can also change, especially in Germany. Um, so this is something um, which is also a risk to us. Okay, clear. And what's the funding situation? Have you already raised that you're going to raise? Yeah, so uh, we now have initial funding um, within uh, PeopleIX from very experienced HR tech investors. Um, we now have sufficient cash to um, build the product, build our MVP, make our clients happy to really achieve the next uh, milestones within the next uh, 18 months. Mm -hmm. Okay. And are you looking to grow the team? Uh, are there relevant open positions? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so we hired our head of engineer. He will start in two weeks from now. Uh, we are super excited about that. Um, we have three working students already with us. Um, we are still looking for um, for the head of data position, which is also crucial in our team, um, and also full stack developers. Okay, clear for the head of data. We can yeah, perfect. That after. <laughs> That's cool. Um, going a bit off the script and more more about you. Uh, how did you decide to like quit like uh, working for another company and build your own? Um, yeah, what made you take this decision? I mean, other than specific problem, but like, uh, yeah, you were quite successful in what you were doing, uh, and and you decided, okay, now I take yeah. the road. Yeah, that's that's true. I think in the end, it comes down to the scalability of your own ideas, and I think the impact that you can have on on the world. I mean, what I have experienced, I mean, super super cool. To, to work in the startup, but I also want to work on something where I have a larger impact than making sure that this organization is successful. I want to serve different clients. I want to bring my ideas, my concepts to a broader audience. And I had the feeling that um, the way of an entrepreneur is the right way to exactly get this kind of satisfaction here, to spread your ideas, to spread um, your work, um, and to have the, the highest impact on what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. uh, and do you see yourself as one of those entrepreneurs that like build several companies? You build one after five years, no, not five years, but, I don't know, eight years or, or so on. You do an exit and then you build the next one. Or you think, I mean, it's hard to answer. Or you think that's like you are building your company and that's that's going to be your I mean, it's super hard to judge. Uh, it's super hard to judge right now. I mean, it's it's my first adventure um, to build an own startup. I mean, we by purpose choose a topic where we would see ourselves also in 10 years from now. I think that is super, super important. Um, I mean, especially in the current market situation, it's not like the gorillas case anymore that you build up something for one, two, three years um, and then can make an um, exit and moving on. Um, so I think it's super, super important that you fell in love with the problem, that you are really want to work in this kind of industry with this kind of customers. And I mean, let's see. It can be the case that in 10 years from now, we say, hey, it was a super, super nice journey. Let's move on. can also be the case that uh, we are there super successful with people IX and I'm staying in this industry and with this with this company. Um, it's, it's really hard to judge. But right now, I'm really focusing on that and making sure that this is a success. Mm -hmm. And if someone had to ask you, like, uh, I'm finished, I'm done with uni, I need to pick between going into startups, going to corporates or going into consulting, investment banking, um, what would you advise? Uh, I have an idea of what you would say, but like, and, and why? <laughs> Yeah, it's a super interesting one. I'm confronted with that uh, nearly every day, <laughs> also with our working students and so on and so forth and in hiring. Um, so, I mean, what I experienced is on the one hand side, the impact that you have with your work um, also in very, very early days and also in a very, very young age um, that you can really make a difference for the company if there are just 10 people or if you are one of 2000 consultants running the different projects. On the other hand, you learn different things like taking on ownership, taking on responsibility, being accountable for what you're doing. Um, that's also something that I love very much being in the startup um, environment. Um, you're building up a great network. Um, so normally in very young ages, especially in consulting, you're 
more in back office tasks and so on and so forth. But in startups, normally you're just jumping into the cold water and you're getting contact to really, for example, experienced investors, um, well-known customers. So you can build up a very, very great network early on. Um, and normally if you are there and it's a success story, you also start to make or making good progress in especially strategic planning and so on and so forth. So I see a lot of advantages, but also to be honest, it depends a little bit on the success of the startups that you do not feel, okay, shit, we are stuck in the middle. It's not moving into the right direction. Then of course the learning curve is also not, um, not accelerating too much. It's it's really hard to judge, but uh, I mean, I took the road of um, to go into a startup right after university, and I never regretted a single day. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like it feels like the best choice, but at the same time, you don't account for the difficulty of picking startups. It's really hard. Absolutely, <laughs> and, and it's always also a bit of luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and when you're an investors, you you an investor, you invest in like ten, twenty of them, and you hope that one is gonna work out. But when you are, you need to pick your job. You're gonna work there two, three years. You can't diversify your risk. You can't work in ten startups right, at the same time. Yeah, so it's, uh, you need to you need to like the risk. Uh, that's what <laughs> I that's what I tell people that ask. Me. <laughs> So it's a great advice. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. Um, that was it on my side. I don't know if there's something you we didn't cover you would like to add. Um, no, no, no. I, I think it was a really, really nice discussion. And thanks so much for having me. Uh, thank you for coming. It has been great catching up with Nick and learning more about People Ajax. As I told him during our chat, a startup needs to be really disruptive to make people analytics feel like the next big thing. Jokes apart, one sentence that stayed with me is that many HR decisions are based on guts. In a world where we use data for anything, not doing it to manage talent seems foolish. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share it with your friends. Also, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn with any feedback or questions. Thank you for listening.